Welcome to Ariana Answers. I'm Dr. Ariana Brandolini, a clinical psychologist who lives in New York City. Every week, I answer a life question submitted by a listener like you. In the third season of my podcast, I dive deep into cognitive distortions, also known as negative thought patterns. Our cognitive distortions have a significant impact on our mental health. We have the ability to rewire our brains by getting to the root cause of these negative thinking habits and instead build patterns of thinking that create joy. Each episode will have two parts, one where I break down the distortion and the other where I give you an exercise to help you overcome. Would you like your question answered? Head over to the description of this video to submit. Now, let's jump into this week's episode. Dear Dr. Ariana, I'm concerned for my friend. Lately, I've noticed her leaning towards an extremely pessimistic way of thinking. Everything she experiences that is counter to the way she sees her life is literally the worst thing ever. Someone offers advice and she's being attacked. A potential opportunity falls through and the entire universe is against her. Anytime something happens that doesn't align with her thought processes, the day, the week, the month, her life is ruined. Forget the myriad of accomplishments and all the positive things she experiences daily. Nothing else matters except her failures and misalignments. These thought patterns are bleeding into her romantic life as well. General disagreements are magnified to insurmountable relationship-ending events. I've been doing my best to gently remind her of the good things and get her to see reality in color as opposed to black and white. The nuances of life, if you will. Glass half full, not half empty. But when she goes into the spiral, none of this is effective. I'm worried that she will slip into extreme depression or worse if she continues down this path. Is there anything I can do, Dr. Ariana, to help my friend facilitate a more positive outlook? Why is she thinking this way? Is there a way forward? All or nothing thinking is characterized by thinking in extremes. It's always the worst day ever, or the best day ever. That movie was absolutely awful. That restaurant is the absolute best. This cognitive habit is a very polarized way of thinking that messes us up because it makes our emotions more extreme than they need to be. It's also known as black and white thinking or dichotomous thinking, and it interferes with us being able to have healthy emotions and healthy relationships. We can recognize it by words like always, never, terrible, best, worst, ruined. When we engage in all or nothing thinking, we try to make things out worse than they actually were. It might have been a bad day, but you make it out to be the worst day ever. Some things might have gone wrong, but nothing went right. Why is it unhelpful? Because the way we think affects our emotions. Every day we're operating in loops where the thoughts that we think create feelings and emotions within us that then motivates behaviors that we do, that then generate other thoughts that create other feelings, and on and on it goes. Many of these loops can be healthy and helpful, but a lot can be unhealthy and unhelpful. When you're engaging in all or nothing thinking, you're thinking in extremes and your thoughts directly impact your feelings as we've been talking about. 
Emotions are the result of chemicals and hormones being pumped into your bloodstream. That's whether you're feeling scared or angry or even happy and in love. This is significant because the chemicals and hormones released in your bloodstream that make you feel a certain way about a situation are a direct result of your brain function, namely your thoughts. So when your emotions are swinging from one extreme to the other, it will likely result in impulsive behavior driven by intense emotion, as opposed to choices of behavior coming from our values and from wisdom. People with anxiety and depression tend to think in extremes, which explains how their emotions can feel really labile and all over the place. All or nothing thinking also makes the problem worse than it already was, and so increases suffering. This type of thinking can also create a sense of helplessness. If my job is the worst job in the whole entire world, it makes no sense to try to change myself or improve things because nothing is going to work or help or change my situation. All or nothing thinking also invites defensiveness from others. You never do the dishes. This kind of thinking exaggerates how bad the other person is and makes the other person feel attacked and criticized. Okay, maybe your partner or your roommate isn't great at doing the dishes. Maybe they do them at a later time when you want them done now. Maybe they did miss doing the dishes for multiple days. But to say never is an absolute that most likely isn't true and is exaggerating how quote unquote bad someone is. When people feel attacked and are on the defensive, it just invites arguing and debating and it pits people against each other my team, your team, me versus you. It doesn't build towards constructive problem solving or solution finding, but encourages scorekeeping and blaming. Why do we think in all or nothing terms? As I often tell my patients, everything we do is for a reason. It serves a function even if it's not helpful. All or nothing thinking can make us feel like we're the victim of our circumstances which can actually feel kind of comforting sometimes and nice to throw ourselves a bit of a pity party and have others join in with you. Oh, poor me, my life is the worst. But it also excuses us from doing the difficult work of taking action and changing ourselves. If my job is quote unquote the worst or my boss is quote unquote the meanest, it excuses me from taking responsibility and ownership of my role in the problem, like having to learn how to manage working in difficult office environments, forgiving others, practicing boundaries, doing excellent work even if it's not very appreciated. All or nothing thinking helps us by protecting us from feeling guilty or accountable for our own actions, which might feel comfortable in the moment, but in the long run, it creates more problems. It also protects us from feeling vulnerable. We have an excuse to avoid and hide and wallow instead of experiencing tender feelings like hurt, sadness, embarrassment, guilt, or uncertainty. It's also very simplistic. It gets rid of the complex and nuanced reality that we have to experience every day. Because every human being is a combination of good and bad, but if we label people as all good or all bad, we don't have to manage the complexity involved when we're in relationship with other people. When we're more extreme in our thinking, it means we're more likely to be depressed. 
These thoughts might look like, I'm a terrible person. She has it all together. No one is going to like me or want to be my friend. These emotionally loaded and simplistic statements create negative emotions that feed a sense of helplessness that is associated with depression. When we've been through trauma, all or nothing thinking can look like thoughts that say, no one can be trusted. I will never be safe. It allows us to hide and avoid all forms of danger and not have to do the hard thing of trusting and risking again. Or another way this shows up can be in difficulty acknowledging the harm done to us by someone we love. We assume that if we acknowledge that they did something bad or harmful to us, we're saying that they're 100% a bad person. Ignoring the nuance that sometimes people who've shown us kindness or cared for us can also be the ones who inflict harm on us. Do you feel like your thoughts are often spiraling and hard to control? Is it hard to stop thinking negatively about your life? I get it, and I've helped many people like you recognize and overcome negative thought patterns, which allowed them to thrive. To help you in this process, I've developed a program called Power Thoughts. This program helps you understand how thoughts physically change your brain and then equips you with the tools to rewire your thinking. To find out more, click the link in my podcast description. All or nothing thinking is also the hallmark of perfectionists and procrastinators, where we implicitly believe that any outcome less than 100% equals 0%. If it's not perfect, it's a failure. Don't bother if you can't get it right. If I'm not going to win, I'm not even going to try. We procrastinate because of the pressure and high stakes of having to do a task perfectly, often on the first try, which is usually impossible. Because of the anxiety that these all or nothing beliefs bring, we end up pushing things off until the last minute so that if we fail or if something isn't great, we can blame it on the fact that, oh, we were rushed rather than it being about us not being good enough. Perfectionists get into unhealthy patterns of avoidance behavior because things need to be perfect or they're terrible. Problem is, perfection is impossible to achieve. So, rather than experiencing the pain of falling short, you just avoid the situation altogether. Or when you don't reach perfection, you feel worthless and awful. So then you stop trying again. This faulty thinking keeps us from trying new things, working hard at something, taking risks, because if we can't achieve that standard, there's no point. Rather than engaging in self-protection through avoidance, if we manage our thoughts to engage more helpful, more realistic, more truthful ways of thinking, we can be vulnerable, we can be open to failure on our trajectory to success, and we can practice our risk tolerance to have a shot at our goals and our dreams. Of course, it's sad to not get what you want, and it hurts when you get rejected. But the goal of a powerful life is to live according to what you value, as opposed to being trapped in a small life because of anxiety and fear. It requires tolerating uncertainty and accepting stress rather than giving up. When you engage in all or nothing thinking, it can make you depressed that something is hopeless when it actually isn't. I remember when I was interviewing for my residency after graduate school. And I was at my top site and I was in the interview and I thought I was crushing it. And then suddenly they threw me a curveball of a question and I bombed. Afterwards, I was like, oh my gosh, that interview was terrible. It was the worst ever. 
and I was feeling really depressed about it for a long while. A month later, I actually matched with my number one site, which was amazing. But because of that one mess up, I thought my interview was the worst and that I totally failed. And I was pretty upset about it for a while, which turns out was completely unnecessary. After I got the job, the interviewer said that I'd actually done great and that they were really impressed by how I handled that really hard question that I thought I bombed. If I hadn't been engaging in all or nothing thinking, I might have had the emotional bandwidth to see that for myself and actually have peace and joy for the month afterwards. So the way that we combat all or nothing thinking and improve our emotional control is by having more realistic, more honest, and more moderate ways of thinking. Start to notice the signs of your all or nothing thinking. Oftentimes it's in your language, like always, or never, or exaggerations. There can be buzzwords that you can be aware of to alert you that you might be engaging in this cognitive distortion. Then it's about practicing new thoughts. Do you find this information helpful? Is there a certain topic you'd like us to cover? Leave us a comment and review about what you'd like to hear. The all or nothing thinking patterns that you've developed in your brain have been rehearsed probably thousands of times. For you to develop new, healthier patterns, you're going to have to use the healthy ones a lot. As you intentionally rehearse the healthy ones, the old ones will become weaker and the better ones will become easier and more automatic to engage in. Once you've identified the extreme thought, I want you to ask yourselves two questions. Is this thought completely and objectively true? And is this thought helpful? If your answer to either of those questions is no, I want you to restructure the thought and align it to truth and helpfulness. We do this by asking ourselves some questions to access a different perspective. Questions like, what makes me think that this thought is not completely true? Is there another way to look at this? Okay, what if the worst happens? What could I do then? What would I tell my best friend if this happened to them? What will happen if I keep telling myself the same thought? Okay, so what should I do now? You can use these questions to start to dismantle the toxic thought and access the healthier and more helpful way to look at your situation. So for example, in my residency interview, if I had asked myself these questions, I might have said, okay, if I actually take a step back and look at the whole interview and think back on other questions that I was asked, I think I actually did a pretty good job. Another way to look at this is, yeah, maybe they're not looking for perfection. Maybe they're actually wanting to see how I operate under stress or in a challenge. Okay, if the worst happens and I don't get my top sight, will I be disappointed? Of course I will, but you know what? I might will probably be very happy in other places. If I told my best friend, I'd say, hey, you actually don't know what you don't know. You have to wait until you get the results. You have no idea what the other people are thinking. So try to have joy in the waiting. If I keep telling myself these same thoughts, I'm just gonna be anxious and depressed, just like I was for about a month. So what would be good to do now? Brush it off, focus on the next interview, and see what happens. As you do this more and more, it becomes easier and easier. 
Your brain is very plastic, meaning that we can actually change the landscapes of our brains as we choose to, to think different thoughts. If we choose and exercise different pathways, those pathways become stronger and more automatic, giving us freedom from being at the whim of our all or nothing thinking and the resulting negative emotions. We're now going to transition to a quick meditation exercise based on what we've been talking about in this episode. I want you to find a place where you won't be disturbed for the next few minutes, where you can be comfortable in privacy and in relative silence. Find a comfortable and easy position, either sitting with your hands in your lap or even lying down. Take a deep inhale through your nose and out through your mouth. Close your eyes. Bring awareness to your breath, your inhales and exhales. Deep breath in and out. We're going to do some two to one breathing, which is where our exhales are twice as long as our inhales. This breathing technique is very effective for prayer, mindfulness, and endurance sports because it decreases nerve activity in the sympathetic nervous system, which arouses the body and increases the influence of the more quieting parasympathetic nervous system, which regulates the relaxation response. So just continue easy breathing for now, but Eventually, I'm going to want you to inhale for a count of two. Pause at the top of your inhale for a count of one. Then exhale gently for a count of four. Pause again at the bottom of your exhale for a count of one. So let's try that. Inhale. One, two. Pause. Exhale. Three, two, one. Inhale. One, two, and exhale. Three, two, one. Inhale. One, two, exhale. Three, two, one. Keep your breathing even and smooth. If the two four count feels too short, Try increasing the breath lengths to four in and six out, or even six in and eight out, and so on. If these longer breaths create any anxiety, there's no need to push yourself. The most important thing is that the exhale is longer than the inhale. So let's keep it going. Inhale, one, two, and exhale two, three, four. Inhale, one, two, and exhale, two, three, four. Now go back to the natural easy breath, releasing any control. Take a few moments to settle into feeling your body, sitting and breathing, riding waves of the breath moment by moment, resting in awareness.
an old Cherokee chief was teaching his grandson about life. A fight is going on inside me, he said to the boy. It is a terrible fight, and it is between two wolves. One is evil. He is anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, self-doubt, and ego. The other is good. He is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. This same fight is going on inside of you and inside every other person too. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, which wolf will win? The old chief simply replied, the one you feed. What inner wolf have you been feeding? Is it the wolf of judgment, fear, perfectionism, self-criticism? Remember, what you feed thrives and what you starve dies. Feeding certain types of thoughts causes different systems in your brain to red flag all things related. If your default is towards negativity, like all or nothing thinking that we've been talking about today, you'll always see things through that lens. Start feeding the good wolf to not only see, but actually live the silver lining in life. What is the good wolf inside of you? The wolf of joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, empathy, compassion, and faith. What are some ways that you can feed it? Some people you know who feed and nurture the good. Are there things you used to do to connect to these good things that you might have been neglecting? Maybe it's time to get back to them. Perhaps think of a few right now and when you'll do them. bring your attention back to your breath deep breath in and out and open your eyes